Greetings, citizens of Podcast City. I ask you to look upon me and heed my warning. As of this moment, you are all now fully aware that the following program is rated mature and is intended solely for those of the legal age to smoke, vote, and purchase pornography. If you find yourself at all easily disturbed by the harsh realities of obscene language, then perhaps you should turn back now before your mind becomes permanently stained with the wicked ways of professional wrestling. Every conceivable form of listener and viewer discretion is strongly advised. Beat me if you can survive if I let you. Shine, my sinners. When Father Evil starts his day, he gets a little deadly. Deadly Grounds Coffee has the richest, smoothest flavor you'll find anywhere. It's sinfully delicious. Once you go deadly, you never go back. Order yours at getdeadly.com. Coffee's so good, it's scary. Yes, sir. You know what to do with your dead homie Blaze coming through with a little message just for you. The homies over at Hell Entertainment hit me up. They told me they're doing it all, yo. They do it all from photography to graphic design and publications, yo. And that ain't it. They're doing it for artists. They're doing it for artists around the motherfucking world. That's right. Not just your backyard. Not just out there on the streets in the states. They talking about the motherfucking world. That means the whole goddamn globe. That circle. That whole motherfucking circle. That's what the fuck they doing. They doing the damn thing. Everybody, yo. And that ain't all. That ain't all. Look, 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 look. They on that next level. They on that next level. That's right. Center Sundays. They doing their own podcast. They talking about everything from music and more. Check them out today, yo. You heard it here first. Your homie and my homies over at Hell Entertainment. Yo, that's what's up, bitch. I'm about this motherfucker. Bodies on the watch is finished. A body shot me. It's interesting to see the means and attacks. There we are again. For life. Sorry, I'm still having a uh, bit of a. NWO porn music hangover from last week. It's still ringing around on the old dome piece there. Oh, yeah, that was a lot of smut last week, let me tell you. Oh, there were so many slots, you wouldn't know where to begin. I, re- I wonder how many of our viewers went and looked up some of that smut we talked about. Well, hey, maybe we turned them on to something new. And nothing wrong with that. I mean, as long as you're not hurting anybody. Get wild, folks. Hog wild. 
do what you gotta do. Saying, uh, how was your weekend, Mr. Jack Torrance, on this Memorial Day past? Oh, it was a busy one indeed, uh, even before the weekend. Had a lot going on in the world of professional wrestling this week. But before we get way too off topic and my ADHD kicks into fifth gear, we, of course, got to give a big shout out to the fine folks at the Dorkening Podcast and also those lovely devilish folks over at Deadly Grounds Coffee. We appreciate your guys' support. You guys totally kick ass and... Thanks for being here. Bear in here. I see what you did there. Ooh, you're a very clever boy. I'm seltzering again. Careful now. Oh, that's it. Give, I, let me see your keys. Throw them in the woods behind you. You're done. Shit. There goes Cut, my off. Cut off. You won't be needing them anyways. If you see me waving my hands, I'm not having a seizure. I'm swatting bugs because I'm sitting outside tonight because it's just too hot in the house. I enjoy your uh, outdoor view. As you see, I'm still locked away in my, uh, you know, vampire-like complex hidden beneath the gallows of Gotham City, surrounded by my henchmen. Well, I figured you were somewhere in Gotham City with that big sexy guy Bane. Oh, he's a hot one, isn't he? Giving the fucking PSA again. That was very kind of him. You know, he's a busy guy, and he made a little time for the show, so kudos, Bane. Kudos. Kudos. Yes, one of our shirts. That was even better. Right? He's a fan, man. What can I say? I guess we're on to something here. So hey, and I see uh, our our boy Guy Manley is here as well. Guy, your shirt should be you to either today or tomorrow. Uh, I apologize on the delay, but it is out there for delivery. So thank you for your input on some of our shows and well deserved. Hell yeah. Big shout out to Guy Manley. Also, uh Big kudos, speaking of the kudos, to my boy Ziggy, who's always tuning in each and every match, because this is match number eight, folks. So we appreciate all the support we can get. Keep those little blue thumbs coming, because we sure do like them. But as we were getting to a little while ago, yeah, whole lot of stuff happening in the world of professional wrestling this week. Uh, You had... The new episode of Dark Side of the Ring, the Warrior one, which unfortunately I have not gotten to yet, as well as the A&E biography on McFoley last night, which as well I did not get to yet. Too much going on, man. The Bruins are on last night. The Maple Leafs <laughs> choked again this year. Death. That was the only good thing about last night, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go off wrestling topic for a quick second. I knew this was coming. 3-1 in the series. Lose the can- to the fucking Canadians. Game 7. It must suck to really be a Leafs fan and only get to see the Stanley Cup when you go to visit it at the Hockey Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Yes, that uh, maple syrup is pouring a little slow there right now up in Toronto, is it not? There so, uh, yeah, that was the only good part about last night as far as I was concerned. We all know what happened with the Bruins and the Islanders. So, on to Game 3, on to New York, on to Long Island. Yep. Just the home of Mr. Bang Bang himself, Mick Foley, as a matter of fact. Yes. Roger that. So, yeah, speaking of Mr. Bang Bang, he had the uh, Amy bio last night, and my boy Ziggy informed me he watched it. and Or, I'm sorry, Sunday night, not last night. And uh, I was actually watching the AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view, which we will be getting to a little bit. But uh, according to Ziggy, he told me that he thought it was the best one so far in all the biographies, and they've all been fantastic. They're all great. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen a single second of one I didn't. 
did not enjoy. I guess I found out, uh, speaking of which, though, real quick on a sad note, I guess the family of Macho Man was not too keen on the Macho Man one. I'm guessing it's because of the whole part when uh, they show Macho and Gorgeous George high of their minds on ecstasy live on Nitro. But, I mean, if them's the facts, them's the facts. So, I mean, you think he really got that ripped by naturalism or lifting yeah. weights? Like, come on now. Let's put the well, I mean, yeah, now for those guys back in the day, too, like Jake the Snake talks about it in the Macho Man documentary, they were on the road over 300 days a year. If you missed your spot, you weren't getting paid. Vince was yep. on to somebody else. So they had to do what they had to do, and it wasn't necessarily the right way to go. Um, you know, steroids were a thing. Cocaine was a thing. Um, they took pills to wake up. They took pills to go to sleep. They did what they had to do to keep their livelihood. And in the end, it ended up destroying and fucking up a whole bunch of people's lives and families and relationships. Um, but yeah, Bret Hart gets into great detail about everybody doing it, including himself back in the day. Um, Bret even tells a story about how he had a, a ring rat, if you will, for those not familiar with the term, basically a groupie in the wrestling world. I guess uh, she shot him up in the butt with steroids and, Apparently she dug that butt because next thing you know, Brett was he did a lot of that in that book. Oh my! But um, I mean, I mean, you you can get a lot of that info too from watches watching the HBK documentary of all the of all the drugs he did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Well, he came up, you know, him and Marty Jannetty came up in that last part of that '80s era, really, um, where the guys were, you know, Tony Montana ended up all the time and uh yeah i mean they they weren't michaels wasn't bashful about that he talked about excuse me how much uh skiing so to speak they were doing back then so he was there for the heyday of it all and um you know you have to understand as we all know there was a lot of repercussions to that lifestyle i mean guys like scott hall and jake the snake it really is a miracle they're like ozzy osbourne how are they still alive i have no idea, but I'm Lex happy Luger. Look at yeah. Lex Luger. We, we talked about Lex Luger a few matches ago, and uh, compared to what he looked like to what he looks like now because of the drugs, like, don't do drugs, kids. Just smoke weed. But, yeah, no, dude, he looks like Skeletor now. It's really like, oh, my dear Lord, Lex, you uh, you got a lot less sexy, I guess, is what I'm looking for. But, yeah, so there you go, kids. Don't go shoving needles in your ass because a lot of bad stuff can happen. Well, speaking of uh, Ozzy, did you know that he uh, has his his song is uh, the title song for Hell in a Cell? I was not aware of that. Yes, Ozzy's new song is the featured mm -hmm. featured music for Hell in a Cell coming up in three weeks. Well, that's pretty neat. Yeah, Ozzy's had a long relationship with uh, the WWE going back to the WWF days. And uh, my boy, Single H, if you're watching, I know you will concur. Still one of the greatest moments in WrestleMania history as far as I'm concerned. Uh, what was this, WrestleMania 2, I want to say? 2 or 3. Don't quote me on that. It's one of them. It's old. Um, the Bulldogs, British Bulldogs come out with Ozzy. And when Mean Gene asks a obviously high out of his mind, Ozzy, you know, what does he think about being out there or whatever? Ozzy just looks at him and goes, British Bulldogs forever! So, I believe that was look two. It up, kids. It's, I believe that it's was two. Of, 
Yes, I think you are correct. That was two. So uh, look it up, kids. That was one of the highlights of my uh, childhood, actually. Mm-hmm. But so um, we, we, oh, got, sorry. we got a lot of recaps to go through with pay-per-views mm-hmm. and shows. We got this day in wrestling history to go through. Uh, for our five to ten listeners out there, do you like us doing these reviews? Do you want us to keep doing these reviews? We want your feedback. We want to know what you want us to talk about. Otherwise, we're going to keep doing this and you keep coming back and listen to the reviews. So let yeah. us know what you want. Yes, we would appreciate your input on in any capacity. Always appreciate the you know constructive criticism, if you will. If you want to be a dick to us, that's cool too. Hey, eh? at least you're paying attention. But uh, exactly. tell us what you dig. Tell us what you don't. What would you like to see? What are we missing? Feel free to drop us a line and hit us up on the old Facebook Insta Face. You your you handle all this stuff. I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right there. There Whoa. it is. Ropes Tuesdays at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Please like, share, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your grandma. You know she wants to watch us because oh, dude, right? We're uh, we're popular with the uh, the over sixty crowd. I hear the ladies, the silver foxes, they apparently dig us though. So. You know it. Hello, ladies. <laughs> all right. Uh, I bet they love Val Venus. Hello, lady. <laughs> oh, or, ravishing Rick, or ravishing Rick Rude. Right? Oh, of course. That would, yeah. that would be more their time frame. Because they're 60 yeah. now, yeah. you know. Makes sense. Yeah. I, uh, I I just had a wild idea, though. I just thought of Val Venus's uh, Titan Tron entrance and his entrance theme. I think we got to do a show later down the road about uh, the greatest entrance themes of all time. I think that would be a fine topic, eh? I I agree. I, I think it just, for me, it just gives us an excuse to play uh, Billy Gunn's Ass Man theme song over right, and over again. Yeah, 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 I love to love him. I love to drug him. <laughs> I love to shove him. So, yeah. Oh, good time. There's uh, perhaps a show in the future there, folks. But, um, yeah, we got a lot to cover. As you mentioned, uh, there was a pay-per-view this past Sunday. Dynamite was not on its usual Wednesday night, thanks to the NBA playoffs. So they went on Friday night at 10 after SmackDown, which ran from 8 to 10. So if you are a wrestling fan, I would imagine you are if you're actually watching us morons. Uh, it was quite a Friday night for you because you got to go right from SmackDown right into uh, Dynamite. And then, as we know, this past Sunday night was the Double or Nothing AEW Big Time Dukaroo pay-per-view. And so I guess we might as well just get down to the nitty-gritty unless you want to start off with our uh, newest segment there, the uh, This Day in History in the World of professional wrestling it's up to you buddy why don't we uh kick off a couple of re- couple of uh breakdowns because we all right to go through so we'll do it let's do smackdown let's do uh the pay-per-view and then we'll go we'll into throw a little history in there for you folks we'll give you a, a little history in the middle of things hot quiz on the fly oh guy guy manley is coming in with one uh a suggestion oh. for to talk about Worst gimmicks. Yes, fine topic of discussion there, Mr. Manley. I I dig it. I think we'll have to do it. It's as simple as that, folks. Ask and you shall receive. I'm going to write it down on my handy-dandy notepad. Oh. 
Please do, because I will forget by the time I'm halfway through this SmackDown breakdown, I'm sure. Yes. All right, go for it. All righty, folks, here it is. The SmackDown breakdown for Friday, May the 28th, 2021. The curtain jerker of this week's SmackDown was a damn good one, I must admit, says the street I can never do this right. Street, Here we go again. Street Profits. Seriously, try saying that five times fast. Street Profits, Street Profits, Street Profits. Yeah, see? I don't know. You're probably doing it right now, being like, oh, it's so easy at home. So good for you. But anyways. We have beer and weed, so uh, that's yeah. our excuse. Or your excuse. Yes. I'm sticking to it. So, yes, the Street Profits took on the newly reunited Usos. This was honestly pay-per-view quality contest. No doubt about it. Uh, these four guys blew the roof off of the Thunderdome. I still always have to think of, you know, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome every time I even look at any Raw show or SmackDown show now. just want to <laughs> say, who runs Border Town? But, uh, yeah, really my only complaint about this match be perfectly honest, was the fact that they had to take commercial breaks because it was top-notch material stuff, man. I really, really dug it. Um, and in case you missed this one, I highly recommend you go back to the old uh, DVR or what have you and give it a gander because this is one, wrestling fans, you did not want to miss. And uh, these fine performances on the part of the Usos and the Street Profits came to a conclusion when the Usos walked away with the win as their ongoing family drama with cousin Roman Reigns continues. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, like oh, yeah, they've always been a lot of fun to watch. Um, and they come, obviously, from a very uh, famous wrestling bloodline. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, they've I I've I've really liked them a lot actually since back in the day when they came in. I'm curious to see how this whole storyline with uh, them and Roman is going to turn out. It all remains to be seen, folks. Mm -hmm. The only one who knows are the writers. Oh, Vince already knows. He already knew like a decade ago when they were like you know still 15 or whatever. Because <laughs> he is insane. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. So next up on Zikad, the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions Tamina and Natalia were successful in their match against Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan of the Riot Squad. The SmackDown Women's Champion Bianca Belair scored a pinfall victory as she defeated Carmella, while a vengeful and hate-filled Bailey looked on from the announce table. Seth Rollins, dude, you got to see this in case for anyone out there who didn't watch this. Seth Rollins was definitely one of the highlights of the show as he addressed the WWE universe oh. with a phenomenal, phenomenal promo that included a fake update from Cesaro's hospital room and even featured an ending where Rollins sang happy birthday to himself in front of the Thunderdome crowd. Um, but I thought this was a perfect way to put heat on Rollins as his feud with the Swiss Superman rolls on. For anyone who missed it last week, Rollins, of course, busted up Cesaro. So he wasn't there this week. But expect good things from the two of them in the coming months, folks. Now, unfortunately, I must admit. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. It's never a good sigh when it comes from you. Mm -hmm. 
I'm I, I, I'm not even angry. I'm disappointed. And that's so much worse for anyone out there who ever had a father. You know how that goes. These stocks on SmackDown went down with this next match. However, as Kevin Owens faced the Intercontinental Champion, Apollo Crews. Now, I know what you're thinking, folks. I know I've gone on and on in previous episodes about how much I love Kevin Owens. Huge KO fan. And I'm a big fan of Apollo as well, have been since he came in. So you would think I'd be low. Yeah, this match is going to totally reek of awesomeness, right? Well, that's what you would expect, but no, 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 no. It most certainly would have been if Owens and Cruz had been given more than two goddamn minutes to showcase what? their in-ring abilities. Yeah. Two minutes? Dude, it was literally like maybe two minutes long. It was so, like, I was super pumped when I see... Coming up next on SmackDown, it's Kevin Owens taking on the Intercontinental Champion, Apollo Crews. Hell yeah, this is going to be main event material between these two, no doubt about it. I really dig Apollo being the IC champ right now. I think it's a, a good run for him as a heel. Um, but yeah, it was like two minutes, and guess how it ended? Via disqualification. Lame. Yeah. Uh, Commander Aziz. What the fuck is that? Right? Uh, he has been... Oh, that's right. He's been Creed's uh, like butt buddy little minion dude there for since he turned heel, basically, and won the IC belt, I believe. So, yes, Commander Aziz. That really sounds like a name from the 80s. I gotta say. That, that's got WWF. Like slaughter back in the day. Right, I could totally see Slaughter going to war with Commander Aziz as he was just appointed, you know, the prince by uh, Iron Sheik or something. That's that's right. What I, are you having a uh, you having a death match with the bugs there? I am. I'm getting, I'm getting violent with the fucking bugs. I gotta say, like, I feel like they're doing Kevin Owens very dirty here. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, yeah. you go back to fuck. I'm gonna thought I was gonna sneeze. Oh, you did you eat one? <laughs> Up my nose. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Gave me some sweet <laughs> You go back to WrestleMania, and we were all so hyped for that match at Mania. Mm. And yeah, and it, fuck. like I said, it wasn't Sami Zayn or Kevin Owens' fall at Mania. It was called, no, we're more interested in involving YouTube goon and not giving these guys, just give them the green light. Just say, go. We can. Yep. We want to see what you guys can do. Owens and Zane, they should have had the opportunity to steal the show because if they could have put on half the quality caliber match that they used to put on back in like the Ring of Honor days, they would have beaten out anybody else on the card, in my opinion. So this is just uh, bad booking, in my opinion. And like I said, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Kevin Owens is such a phenomenal talent. Um he works, I guess, as a face, but I, he's so much better as a heel. I wish they would just turn oh, yeah. him again. Yeah, he's been one of the – he was one of the best heels I've seen in a long time when he first jumped on the scene from NXT and challenged Cena. Like, oh, so good. So good. But, um, yeah, this match, two minutes, and it was stupidly rushed, I guess, just so the cameras could cut to the back and show the big dog, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso – get even more heat for their storyline with Jimmy Uso. So long story long, this was a complete 
waste of time for what could have and what should have been a spectacular match. But mm -mm, Vince put the kibosh on that bad boy, I guess. Guy Manly says, I think KO is way undersold as a talent, and DQ finished me equals lazy booking. Guy Manly, we are so surfing on the same wave there, pal. The nail on the head on that one, guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the um, stock market is coming near a crash at this rate, I have to admit. I can see that. Things did not get better. After Captain Commander, whatever the hell his name is, Aziz, as the night we're on, Shinsuke Nakamura, another one, love the guy, but what are they doing with him? Nothing. Where's he going, pal? Nowhere. Right? Shinsuke Nakamura was able to defeat Chad Gable, which prompted King Corbin to join the spectacle and demand Nakamura give him his royal crown back and... May I just say something here? For the record, I absolutely despise this whole storyline. They're feuding over a fucking fake royal crown. That's the point of this feud. And then there's a guy that comes down and plays guitar, and that's very distracting to Kim Corbin, I guess. I'm going to write that down as a topic, too. Shitty feuds. Because mm -hmm, there's been a lot of them. <laughs> this one, I just, I hate it, dude. I, I've hated this from the start. This is much like Kevin Owens. They are just wasting Nakamura's talents, in my opinion. I, you know what? You guys, you can't come up with something for Nakamura or Kevin Owens, really, with their well, talents. Okay, fine. Put them in a feud together, then. Problem I was solved. Say, have Nakamura fight Owens. There you go. That's uh, a main event pay per view right there. Right? You want to make Nakamura? But let them go more than two minutes. Yeah, and let them actually show what they can do. They don't, they don't have to blade, but they can go crazy and put on a really good show. I'm not the biggest Nakamura fan, but he's got talent. He can, he can hold his own. He can hold a card. So put him with someone who can hold another card, like Owens. Yeah, I um, have been extremely unhappy with the way wwe has used nakamura really since the get-go he came in he won the royal rumble it was like awesome they're gonna they're pushing him and then it was like a dream match him going up against aj styles and then they just kind of it all up they get things sometimes so overly complicated for no reason i wish they would just let this is why Heyman's there Vince, just let him write the storylines. He, he wrote the most simplistic and greatest storylines in the old ECW days. Just Keep it simple, stop, stupid. Stop making it so complicated. But, um, yeah. So, um, that was that. That was really just a waste of my time telling you all that. You are all now dumber for having heard that. I hate to tell you. But are you dumber I, for watching that? <laughs> mm. Who's the real dumb dumb here, guys? These are the sacrifices I make for you're the one who wants to find notes on it. Uh-huh. So that shows you what's going on over here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so um following that revolting bowl of dog vomit in the main event <laughs> this past Friday, we saw the SmackDown tag team championships up for grabs as champions Ray and Dominique Mysterio faced off with the former champions Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler in a tag team title rematch from old WrestleMania Backlash. And, uh, well, it saw the Mysterios retain and once again walk away 
with the gold. And that, boils and ghouls, is your SmackDown breakdown. Guys coming in saying Nakamura dropped Cena on his head during a snap suplex. Vince did not like. Ben and Douglas ever since. WWE will not let Nakamura wrestle his match. Thus the plot thickens. I appreciate your input there, guy. Fuck Vince. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Fuck you. He fucked up. Dude, that's like we were mentioning the A&E uh, biographies earlier. Look at Booker T's introduction into the WWE. His first ever anything. And he comes in and he accidentally takes out the top guy at the time. A certain man, you may, you guys may have heard him. I don't know. Stone Cold something or other. But Stunning yeah, Steve or Ringmaster. Stunning Steve, yes, with his glow, his flowing golden locks. Huh? Um, but you know, Austin talked about it. He knew it was just a simple mistake. Booker did everything he was supposed to do. Austin was sweaty as hell from the match, and he just slipped right off the table and smacked his head in, back of his neck into a chair and <clears throat> the floor and Cracked a bunch of vertebrae and blah, blah, blah. Austin's on the shelf. So now Booker T's getting heat. But, you know, they proved that accidents happen. And what happened there? Booker T turned out to be one of the greatest legends in WWE history. So fucking forgive him, Vince. Accidents happen. Jeez, guy. Fucking Vince. Thinks he yep, runs yep, yep. company or something. Right? <sighs> Running into the fucking ground. It's all politics, I tell you. It's all politics. So we're all much better, I'm gonna tell you that when we get there. Hmm? Oh yes, indeed. Do. <laughs> you know, <laughs> three hours of my life, I never get back every Monday. Hey man, yeah. I I would have actually, as much as I had a good time, there was a lot I had to cover this week. Three hours of RAW was nothing, dude. I did a four-hour pay-per-view. Do you know Dyna or yeah, Dynamite? Do you know Double or Nothing was like four hours long, dude? What? I did not expect that. Yeah, it was okay. It started at eight, didn't get over to like midnight. Yeah. Um, and then of course I had uh Dynamite on Friday night, which uh, began as I mentioned at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time because of the old basketball playoffs. So I guess that would be next on the list if you like the old dynamite deposition. We can go for that if you like, if you feel you're not oh. winded. Oh, no, buddy. I got gas in these tanks. And, boy, you guys are lucky you cannot smell from here. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm capable of. <laughs> you know what I'm capable of. Yeah. Can, oh, you dude. What, can you imagine what's going to happen on Saturday night when we get together in June? Oh, <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing you're... Your lovely bride is going to be out of state because she might be able to catch a whiff, a whiff from Florida. Who knows? Never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dangerous times are afoot, folks. Dangerous times. Oh, you know, on a Saturday. We could have made a hell of a tag team ourselves. That could have been our finisher. You know, if Rikishi got away with shoving his ass in people's faces all those years, why couldn't we just fart on him? Maybe Rikishi was farting. <laughs> But <laughs> so I felt for like 10 years. Pops ghostly, my boy. Ziggy. Invite Ziggy. Ziggy. Did we invite him? Does he need to be invited? Ziggy, you are invited. We love you. Thank you. Yes. Pops ghostly in the house. But um, yeah, I guess we're on to the dynamite deposition after all that jibba jabba. I no, guess we're so. still here. From here, folks. But yes, 
Things kicked off this past Friday night with the former TNT champion Darby Allen squaring off against Cesar Bononi. Bononi? Bononi. I can't say this right. I know I'm fucking it up, but it's B-O-N-O-N-I. Bon-O-N-I. And after a few solid minutes of the much larger Bononi just manhandling Allen and throwing him around and out of the ring, a la... Bam Bam Bigelow versus Spike Dudley style back in the old ECW days, folks. It was it was quite a sight to behold, but Allen finally gained the upper hand, and after delivering his patented, patented coffin drop, he was able to walk away victorious. Following the opening bout, Paul White, formerly known as Well, Well, it's the big show. Came out to the ring as he was the honorary host of the official weigh-in for the American Dream, Cody Rhodes and Anthony. I once opened for the Go Go's a Go Go before their showdown at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Now, after watching Paul White struggle with how to proper properly work a non-digital scale for a few agonizing minutes, yeah, for all you guys out there who watch Dynamite. The big show was really slow because he didn't know what the hell he was doing with that scale. It was kind of awkward. They probably should have given him a little refresher course on that before the whole way in, but um, that's neither here nor there. But it was determined once Mr. White figured out how to make it happen that a go-go weighed a whole pound more than Cody. And to be perfectly honest with you, I cared about him as much about this segment as I did their match at the pay-per-view. I didn't give a rat's ass. It's just my personal feeling. Um, I don't know what's going on with Cody lately. There's a lot of people not happy with it as well. I mean, he's an amazing talent, but he's just doing these kind of like, what is the point of this storylines? And, he, you know, he's had this whole feud with QT Marshall going on now for months. And I'm sorry, QT Marshall is not, he's not a draw. He's very bland to me. Um, Cody, I'm pretty sure, already beat him, so I don't know what they're doing here with all that. Um, Cody did, however, have quite the getup coming out. For all of you out there who are a fan of the show and the comic book, The Boys, which I am a huge fan of, if you haven't checked it out and you love comic books, go check it out. But for those of you familiar with the show, the main villain, the main heel in the show, um, Homelander, He's basically like an evil Superman, for those of you who don't know. And Cody came out basically looking like Homelander. He had this big cape and the big shoulder thing. So if you're down with the boys, you know what I'm talking about. But um, I personally believe this whole oh, pop says I'm out on Cody since the gender reveal. Yes. Yes. Pops ghostly. Thank you again. I know we spoke of that the other night. We don't want gender reveals mixed in with our wrestling. We're happy that they're having a kid and all good for them. But, burp. yeah. So, um, yeah, please just end the Cody and QT Marshall feud. It fizzled out before it even got started, in my opinion. I just, I don't care anymore. Phil Collins said this. I don't care anymore. Wow. Later on in the evening, we were treated to an excellent contest, actually, as the bad boy, Joey Janela, who hadn't been around for a little bit. I don't know if he got hurt or whatever the case was, but he went toe-to-toe -to -toe with everyone's favorite whiskey-chugging cowboy hangman, Adam Page. And this, my friends, was a quality, high-energy, hard-hitting matchup, and in the end, an extremely bloody hangman who got busted open the hard way, like 
it was right before the finish. All of a sudden, he's on the outside on the apron, and his face is just pouring blood down like a shower. I don't even know how it happened. He didn't he didn't blade, but um, there was something there that caused a bit of a gash. And uh, Mr. Hangman caught Janela with the buckshot lariat for the win. <clears throat> Pardon me. Team Taz then interrupted things after the match. And just when it appeared that they would put a beat down on old Adam Page, the Hangman called out his double or nothing opponent, uh, Mr. Brian Cage, a.k.a. Shoulders McGee, and said that he expected more out of him, telling Cage to leave the rest of Team Taz backstage and fight me like a man, which surprisingly... Cage did, in fact, do. I definitely did not see that coming from Old Shoulders McGee. So perhaps a face turn is in the works for Brian Cage. Now, if you will recall, on the previous week's Dynamite, the AEW World Heavyweight Champion Kenny Four Belts Omega made an offer to the always freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy that would see Cassidy defer his title shot opportunity against Omega at Double or Nothing if he were to agree to the champion's offer. So this past Friday night, Orange did indeed give his response to Kenny, and he returned that envelope that Omega had given him the week prior when Kenny, and when Kenny opened it, he saw that the deal he had written out was torn up into a million little pieces, and they all blew away in the wind. Cassidy then took care of, oh yeah, it was actually pretty funny, he opened the envelope, and at first Omega sold it, he, he acted like I got a paper cut trying to open it, and if, if for anybody out there who watched it, and notice this. I thought this was hilarious. If you looked at the envelope, it's it said the name Kevin, and then you could see the name Kevin was crossed out, and then it, underneath it said Kenny. So it was like oh, it was like basically a joke, like Orange Cassidy forgot Kenny Omega's name. I thought that was pretty clever. You had to really look for it though. It was right in there, real quick. But uh, yeah, so he gives him the envelope. Omega opens it, and all these little bits of paper just come flying out and blowing in the wind, and um. So that was obviously a Mr. Cassidy's answer. Hold on a second. I just missed my place in the old notes here. Yes. So Cassidy then took care of business with the classic orange punch, which is, you know, the Superman's punch, but I think it sounds yeah. way better as the orange punch awesome. to the tip, right? It's more extreme. It's more extreme. It's much, it's much more juicy. Mm -hmm. we, we do like it juicy. But yes, he delivered an orange punch to the champ, but he wasn't done there, as he also hit a, his other double or nothing opponent, Pack, with yet another orange punch before grabbing hold of the AEW world title belt and hoisting it very lazily, another reason why I love him, above his head. So all in all, I thought this was a great way to build heat for the title match at double or nothing. Very good job on their part. There, as Dynamite rolled on, Jade Cargill defeated Kylan King as she was accompanied to the ring by her new manager, Smart Mark Sterling. The newly crowned AEW TNT champion Miro had a squash, squash match over Dante Martin, leading up to his title defense against Lance Archer at Zip Pay-Per-View. The longest reigning title holder in AEW short history, Hikaru Shida, was honored with a ceremony that celebrated her one-year run as the AEW Women's Champion, but to nobody's surprise, the festivities were spoiled by the number one contender for Shida's very title, Dr. Britt Baker, D.M. 
D, who promised Sheeta and the world that she would leave Double or Nothing as the new AEW Women's Champion. And in the main event, Dark Order members Evil Uno and Stu Don't Call Me Dick Grayson stepped into the squared circle to do battle with the duo of Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. This was a great call, quality contest that concluded with Sky and Page picking up the win, but they didn't get much time for a celebration because after issuing a warning to their pay-per-view opponents darby and the stinger they were joined by an army of guys wearing sting masks who they proceeded to decimate one by one the guys just the stinger mask dudes just kept walking in the ring and taking bumps and this went on one by one until they came across the real sting who revealed himself by taking off a sting mask and showing off his actual sting face when the dust is far. Yeah, no, never seen that at all. No, not once. No, um, there used to be this other show on aside from Raw back in the late 90s. Uh I, I think it was on TBS or TN. No, maybe it was on TNT. I don't know. I, I'm very foggy up there, but yes, we never saw that before. No, no, no. Uh, very, uh, so, very original. Yeah. But anywho, when the dust had settled. Darby Allen and the really real Sting stood tall above Sky and Paige. Now, before Dynamite was officially Teddy Dunsky this past Friday night, the inner circle came out to the ring for what could have possibly been the final time as the stipulation for their stadium stampede clashed with the pinnacle did state that if the inner circle came up short, then they would have to disperse forever. And a very, very well done inner circle video highlight package or montage, if you will, was shown. And the members of AEW's most notorious stable addressed the fans. However, dun, 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 things soon took a diabolical turn when MJF suddenly appeared on the Jumbotron standing next to a battered and beaten Dean Malenko out on the Jaguars football field. The inner circle rushed to the man of a thousand holds aid, but it was a trap. As the pinnacle got the jump on the inner circle with a Sid Vicious beating that included FTR delivering pile drivers and stereo to Santana and Ortiz off a stage and through to tables. So no doubt about it, this was one hell of a way to wrap up the go home edition of Dynamite ahead of the double or nothing pay-per-view indeed. And that is your Dynamite deposition. That's a lot of dynamite. That's a Whoa. lot of things going on. Yeah, they did. A, they did a real good job on the, uh, you know, obviously hyping up the old pay per view there. So quality dynamite indeed. Of course, I'm getting old. I fell asleep during it. During it, I can't even stay up till fucking midnight now. How pathetic is that? <laughs> we are getting older. I mean, you know, you watch at least you have you have an excuse. You have kids. I have a dog. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't be tired, but I am. I'm also 40 years old, so you know, my, my bones are creaking. So yeah, yeah. maybe we should treat the fans to a uh, I don't know a, our our version of a retirement match. It'll be a retirement home match because we're a couple of dinos. Find a couple of wheelchairs and some kendo sticks, right? <laughs> or you know, walkers and wheelchairs, whatever, whatever works. Oh, so now that we've done through, or run through, I should say, not done through, run through, 
couple of uh, recaps. Shall we break down some uh, some history lessons for these young laddies that are watching? Yes, yes. Let's uh, let's deliver the good fine folks out there the educational program a portion of our program with this day in professional wrestling history. 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 There will be a test at the end of the season. As soon as the season one is wrapped up, there will be a test. So take yes. your notes, kiddos. Dennis Hopper is going to come back from the grave and give you a pop quiz, hotshot. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Speed, what do you do, hotshot? There's a bomb on a bus. And then there was Speed, too. There was a bomb on a boat or something. I don't... Yeah, it was on a boat. Stupid. Uh, All right. So this day in history, a uh, new segment we started off with last week. Thought it was kind of fun to do. Break it up a little bit. Let me talk some a little bit and give uh, Jack Torrance the uh, little break for a quick second. Yes, I'm my jar. I'm, I'm going to kick it off while you take a sip of your Stone Cold Steve Weiser there. <laughs> uh, I didn't get the years on some of these, but anyway, uh, this day in history was Big Boss Man's debut in his first taped show. Nice. Coming straight out of Cobb County, Georgia with that one, buddy. I, yeah. I, got mm -hmm. I didn't, uh, I forgot to write down who we fought. It was a jobber, uh, <laughs> but it was on a taped, a taped uh, show by the WWF at the time. And the big boss man makes his debut. I like it, man. Yeah. Good old Cobb County, Georgia. Apparently, if you just set foot in that town, you'd be serving hard time. At least that's what his uh, entrance theme said. So speaking of Big Boss Man real quick, he's Ooh. a fucking ass. He's a fucking asshole, rest in peace. Uh, so when I was a young wee little lad, I was at the Worcester, played the Worcester Centrum back mm. in the day. And we saw Big Boss Man getting into his car. I must have been like six or seven. And uh, we went up to his car, me and my mom's, my dad's. And, uh, you know, could we get an autograph, get a picture or something like that? And he got in his car, slammed his door and sped away. Ooh. Just like that. Just like the warrior did to that kid in the airport. You know? Well, I mean, I, I can't say I'm surprised, dude. I mean, after all, he did uh, hook Big Show's dad's casket up to his car and drive away. So. I mean, he did do that. And he did hang the Undertaker from, or no, he got hung. Yes. WrestleMania 15. He uh, was hung. As you saw the finished. strap on his jacket. That was one of our uh, first introductions to uh, Edge and Christian. Remember them rappelling down to the cell along with uh, Gang Green, Gang Grell, Vampire Warrior, and all that shit. Well, so. yes, yes, Ziggy, Big Boss Man did give me a hard time. Oh, yeah. And you're lucky. You could have been serving it. Uh -huh. <laughs> so there's your answer to that, Pops Ghostly. Um, I got to mention real quick, it was nine years ago on this very day. That the best in the world, CM Punk, defeated John Cena at Money in the Bank and left the Allstate Arena with the WWE Championship. This was, of course, weeks after the old pipe bomb incidents that who could ever forget that one. And Punk had said, yeah, I'm out of here with this stupid belt, taking it with me. But that, as we know, didn't happen. But yeah, one of the uh, more infamous moments there. and. Wrestling history. Yes, sir. Uh, 21 years ago here on this day, the franchise, Shane Douglas. Ah, the triple threat. Ah, uh, yes, you know. Yes. Uh, defeated. Dean Douglas, Douglas, if you will. 
Dean Douglas, who won the Intercontinental title by Shawn Michaels surrendering it to him on yeah. and then instantly dropped it to the bad guy. So that was his <laughs> career in WWE. So the franchise, Shane Douglas, 21 years ago, defeated El Puerto Rican, Donnie Allen, Devin Storm, and Mikey Whipwreck in a row to retain the ECW Heavyweight Championship belt. Nice little uh, EC dub history there on the part of my boy Diggs. I can dig it, Daddy. Uh, here's a good one. May 10th of 1996. Uh, Edge, the rated R superstar, says that he wrestled his first match for then the WWF, now the WWE. This match took place in Cops Coliseum Coliseum in Hamilton, Ontario. And guess what he his name was billed as when he came down to the ring for that very first time. He was not called Edge. What do you think? Oh, they, I they forget what it was. I forget. I, I saw it and I was kind of ooh. Oh, dude, it's so good. Sexton Hardcastle. That's what it was. That's a name that just slips right off the tongue with ease. Mm-hmm. Sexton Hotcastle. I kind of wish they had kept him as Sexton instead of uh, making him edge. Kind of wish they had paired him with Val Venus. Right? Oh. What a tag team. That's gold, man. It's gold. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. What's she here? Uh-oh. You know what? Oops. <laughs> yeah, uh, scratch that. You guys might want to look that up. Um, I just saw that neither one of those things I just mentioned happened today. I didn't have enough time to look this up. I had That's so much. All right. shit to That's do. all right. <laughs> so yeah, that was all a lie. Everything I just said, forget it. Did not happen today on this day. Uh, I guess that's why you guys should have been taking your notes and paying attention. I caught you sleeping. <laughs> the Rockers re-debuted 25 years ago. Oh no, Rockers re-debuted in this history because the first time they had a small stint, they got fired for partying too. One much. day they didn't even make it one a whole day. day. Yep. One half that's, impressive. that's impressive. Because <clears throat> they were too big, they were too much of partiers. They like and they redebuted this day in wrestling history. What year? Oh. I don't fucking know. Yeah. <clears throat> it was like 90 or something, wasn't it? Well, when they initially got the boot, it was 90. I and then they came back. Wasn't that long when they came back after when Vince was no, like, all right. Like, I think it was like six months. Yeah, yeah. It was like, and they, of course, just traveled around the country ingesting incredible amounts of cocaine while they were gone. So, that was exactly yes, Pops Ghostly. That is right up there with, you know, Buck Naked. That is a great porn name. <laughs> so, way to go, Sexton. Do you have Shots more history like, or where am I going? I, like I said, I fucked this up already. <laughs> Might as well keep going. <laughs> I, got, I got three more. Uh, Wade Barrett wins NXT. Oh, the Nexus was on the horizon. 25 years ago, they taped the 300th episode of Superstars of Wrestling. Ooh, that's a good one. I can do it. And then the last one's kind of a funny one because I remember this, and I remember Matt Hardy being crazy out of his mind. Matt Hardy put Jeff through a table. After his wife threw a fake baby at him. Remember oh, that? yes, I do now that you uh, restarted the old memory banks there. Boy, see, this is why there's another great topic we have to do at some point is the worst and most, you know, horrifyingly bizarre 
storylines in wrestling history. That's like the one with, um, for example, much like that one, um, when, what was it, Kane had supposedly gotten Lita pregnant and then she had the miscarriage and, oh, what was that wicked ugly dude's name that came out and punted the baby? <laughs> what about sexual chocolate and... Uh, the oh, man, yeah. The May hands? Young. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's give her a bigger hand. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck just happened here? We were still in high school, I think, when that happened. Yeah. And I remember being like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> that was one of those really like horribly timed moments. My dad would like walk into the kitchen to come get some Oreos and be like, boy, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> yeah. Oh, May Young and sexual chocolate or oh God, we could go on forever. We got to save that for another show. Yeah. Speaking so, of sexual so chocolate, he is now signed with AEW. Yes, yes. It was uh, announced by Tony Schiavone this past Sunday night at the Double or Nothing pay-per-view that Mr. Mark Henry himself, the world's strongest man, will indeed be joining the commentary table for the upcoming AEW Friday night TV show. It's not on YouTube, another actual on-broadcast TV television show coming up from AEW. It'd be really hilarious if they named it, like, I don't know, Lightning in honor of WCW Thunder. Remember those days? Ugh, <laughs> thunder. Thunder. Why, Thunder? Why? That was awful. Bruh. Dude, so they would have great talent on there, but they had the worst, worst matches. I was actually watching a video clip the other day when uh, this is when, like, in 2000, I want to say, when WCW was just, I pretty much had already gone off the rails at that rate. And they were doing this thing with uh, Vince Russo and Kevin Nash. And Kevin Nash is in the ring and he's supposed to have, you know, fake blood dropped on him while he's standing in the middle of the ring. But they fucked up where the bucket of blood was. So it, this giant, you know, things of blood come down way off to the side of Nash. And he's just looking at it like, what was that supposed to be? Oh, sir. Oh. A lot of a lot of classic highlights in the bungling of of WCW's end days. Oh, there, oh, we could do a whole show on fucking Russo alone. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> but uh, we are approaching our one hour mark shortly. Are you all done with the history lesson of this week? Yes, my my history lesson. Oh. Uh, Professor Diggs is done with his history lesson. Take your notes, kids. There will be a test. You will get a gold star if you pass. All right. Yes, or yes. Star, get you a bigger gold star. Maybe a uh, a sticker, perhaps. Sticker mm -hmm. star. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right on the forehead. Remember those days? Oh, I used to proudly display them all over my face. Just to show the rest of the class how smart I really was. Look how far I came, graduating class. <laughs> all right. So, uh, before we get to the old... Uh, nitty-gritty, if you will, the meat and potatoes of the show, the main event, the coup de gras. We do have to give a little review to the AEW Double or Nothing pay-per-view. Yeah, and we still got Raw to go through real quick, too. Oh, yeah, so let's, let's kick it into meth gear. Here we go. Ludicrous so, speed. Ludicrous speed. <laughs> We're going to plaid. Yes, yes. So we started things off with the uh, pre-show buy-in match. The NWA Women's Champion Serena Deeb retained as she defeated Rio via submission. And it was uh, cool to see Rio come back. This was a damn good match and a fine way 
to um, try and get people to buy the pay-per-view. So kudos to you on that one, AE dub. The curtain, jer curtain jerker haha, of the evening saw a hangman Adam Page defeat the FDW champion Brian Shoulders McGee via pinfall. And these guys got one of the biggest pops um, of the whole show. Um, I think part of it, obviously, was because this was the first time they could have a real sellout crowd for the first time in over a year, which was pretty cool to see. But I honestly am willing to bet it's because Hangman is just so ridiculously over. And um, this was a great match that at the end I was expecting, you know, Team Taz to run in, screw over Hangman and all that, which they did attempt to do. But. Shoulders McGee took it upon himself to be like, nah, nah, y'all step off. I want to do this the right way, and I'm going to try and beat him on my own. So once again, as I mentioned before, this in all likelihood is going to lead to Brian Cage going babyface. But um, Hangman did indeed pick up the win. This was an awesome match, and it was a very, very fine way to officially kick off the show because the crowd just went, Wow, real big, real quick. Uh, the AEW World Tag Team title match came up next as the current champions, the Bucks of Youth, retained and defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. And I had a lot of fun watching this one. This was what I was hoping for. I didn't expect Eddie and Mox to win the belts. Uh, it makes sense to keep them on the Young Bucks right now, but the match was awesome. It was a lot of fun to watch. They even came out with the Young Bucks sneakers that they had previously stolen from them the week before. And I still love that John Moxley comes out to the actual real uh, major league version of Wild Thing when he makes That's his great. entrance. Right? Oh, it's great. I love it. The whole crowd was like doing it like straight up Ricky Vaughn style. It was it was cool. I liked it. Ricky Vaughn haircut. Right? Oh, yeah. That would be awesome. Totally rock that. Um, but yeah, the Bucks did retain, but one of the highlights of this match, anybody out there who watched the pay-per-view, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When Eddie and Mox hit in honor of the Road Warriors, the Legion of Doom themselves, they dropped the Doomsday device on Matt oh, Jackson yeah. during the during the match. And oh, I was like, dang, kid in the candy store on that one, folks. I love my 80s. Boy, do I miss that decade. So do I. Right? Anywho, the Casino Battle Royale came up next. And uh, yes, this is for all of you who don't know. This is a 20-man over-the-top battle royal with the winner getting a shot at the AEW World Heavyweight Championship in two weeks on Dynamite. And um, this is not your average battle royal. They do it like... Uh, um, you're playing cards, basically. Uh, they have five guys start off the match. They're the clubs. And then after two minutes or whatever it was, the next five guys who pulled the jab, the spades come out. You know what I mean? So I'm not a poker player, but I think you guys know what I'm saying. That's kind of uh, a cool way to do it and break it up. Yeah. It, it puts a different spin on it. It's not your same. I mean, you can't rip off the Royal Rumble because the Royal Rumble rules. You got to try and be creative. And I mean, Battle Royals, to me, the, the standard Battle Royal was never all that interesting. When everyone just starts out at the same time, and then it's just like, eh, let's throw you over, and here's one person. Yeah. yeah. So this gave it a cool little spin. Um, now, Christian 
who, as we know, just signed with AEW a few months back, and he's making some noise for himself there. He actually started this match off, and he lasted the entire length of the match as the final two combatants were indeed Christian and the son of Luke himself, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. And Jungle Boy is now your new number one contender for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. That was a uh, fine battle royale indeed. Coming up next, the American Dream Cody Rhodes defeated a busted open Anthony Agogo via the pinball, pinfall. And I already told you how I felt about this match and this feud during the Dynamite uh, deposition. So that's enough of that. <laughs> The TNT Championship title match came around the corner as champion Miro retained and defeated Lance Archer via referee stoppage after Archer passed out to the game over, Campbell Clutch. Woo-woo! And then next on the agenda, we have the AEW Women's Championship title match as the number one contender, Dr. Britt Baker D. MD. I'm going to do that every single time because I just love it. Yes, she finally dethroned. She was the only one who could do it. Hikaru Shida to become the new AEW World Women's Champion. And um, I was very happy about this. I've always been a fan of Dr. Britt, especially since she went heel. I just enjoy her way more as a heel, much like we were saying about Kevin Owens. Um, she definitely deserves it, uh, especially after that awesome, incredible hardcore match he had just a few months ago, two months ago, whatever it was, against Thunder Rosa. So very cool to see Dr. Britt become the new champion. And it was nice to see that off after the longest title run in AEW history, Karo Shida, it made sense that she dropped the belt. She got her proper dues, and now she's passing the torch. So I like it a lot. Next up, Darby Allen and the Stinger. Woo! Defeated Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page via Zip Pinfall after the Stinger hit Scorpio Sky with the Scorpion Death Drop to the cheers of You Still Got It from the old jam packed Florida crowd. This was actually Sting's first in ring match in about six years since uh, he fought uh, Seth Rollins. And WWE there. Only had those two matches in WWE. Lost to Triple H at Mania. Then almost died against Seth Rollins. Oh. You know what I mean? I'm going to, on, on the Stinger topic real quick, I don't mean to interrupt you. but I'm No, gonna please do. Uh, I saw today that if they had given the match Sting versus Taker, he may not have signed with AEW. Yeah. Um I heard something about that myself, and to be perfectly honest with you, as much as you know, I grew up addicted to The Undertaker, as yeah. I'm sure we pretty much anyone our age did, because he's the fucking Undertaker, and that's all I got to say about that. Um, but you know, I was always a big Sting fan as well. I I didn't get to get into WCW as much because for all of us here on the Cape, if you're old like us, you'll remember that. Uh, we didn't get TBS uh, for a long time, at least in my area where I lived growing up. And um, so I wasn't nearly as familiar with Sting as I was, obviously, The Undertaker. But as soon as I saw Sting and found out about him, you know, was always instantly a fan. But 
I'm kind of glad this match didn't happen because it wouldn't have been able to live up to what they could have given us, say that they were both still back in their hate. If that match had happened back in 99 or something, yeah, badass. If they were back in their prime, 100%. Sting, Sting's gimmick now with the, the, the face paint and the crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The Brandon it. Lee uh, face. Yeah, to go against Undertaker now, that would have been a pretty kick-ass match back in their prime. But to your point, mm. going at it now where they're both broken and old and can't yeah. more as well, it would have been a meh. Yeah, we saw prime example uh, that match in Saudi Arabia with Michaels and Triple H versus Kane and Taker. What a debacle that was. I love when Triple H actually talks about that match. He's like, yeah, so you got me and Michaels who haven't wrestled in forever. Taker's on his way out. And then, oh, yeah, Kane's the mayor. (laughs) That was great. But, yeah, the match was horrible. Oh, God, remember when Kane's mask and hair falls off at one point? Like, oh. So, with all that said, in relation to the topic here at hand, match would have been awesome 20-some-odd years ago. But if they had done it within the last 10 years or something, it wouldn't have been worth disappointed. Yeah, you know, look what happened with friggin' Goldberg and Undertaker, or Undertaker almost got his friggin' neck broken. So, yeah. But hey, as the crowd said this past Sunday night, the Stingers still got it, and it was a damn good match. They picked up the win, so very cool there. Moving on, we have the co-main event because there was Dose. The first match, of course, was the triple threat match for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, which pitted champion Kenny Omega, Mr. Four Belts himself, which still confuses me. He's the TNA champion, but he's the Impact champion. I thought TNA just became Impact and done. So I'm very confused on that. I'll have to do some research. If anyone out there watching, you know better than me feel free to let us know but nonetheless he's walking around with the four belts because he's kenny yeah, a lot of mega over here you know yeah, a lot of gold guy a lot of gold mm-hmm. he's dripping in the gold but he did in fact defeat pack and freshly squeezed orange cassidy in this triple threat showdown after omega hit pack in the head with all four of four of his title belts in succession like he literally just picked up one hit pack from behind Dropped it, ran back, picked up another one, hit him again. Went for this four times. That was that was kind of entertaining. The belts, right? Yeah, and he's, 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 giving, somewhere. he's giving those other federations a cheap little plug at the same time. So nothing wrong exactly. with that. But um, so obviously, Pack was taken out. Orange Cassidy came back and looked like he was going in to become the new champion, but. At the very, very last second, Mr. Omega reversed an attempted pinfall by Mr. Cassidy and finished it up with the old one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you just saved me a little time because I was going to mention in between the two main events, yes, Tony Schiavone did announce that Mr. Mark Henry has joined the AEW broadcast team. So that only leaves us with the Stadium Stampede Part 2. The Big Dukeroo, which we saw feature the inner circle and the pinnacle. We've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. They've been building this whole thing up over months and months now. I've really enjoyed this whole storyline. And, you know, I'm going to say right off the bat before I get anything else into this match, I figured right away that there was no way they could top the first stampede 
uh, or I'm sorry, Stadium Stampede last year. Because that match was ridiculous, but that match also gained a lot of controversy over the fact that Matt Hardy legit got a concussion during that match. And instead of, you know, some people thought they should have stopped the match or at the very least just taken Matt out of the match. Um, they kept going because they were just, we're in our first year and we're nuts. So the match, if you've seen the first one was so good, I knew they couldn't really, you know, top that. And they just had that match at blood and guts, which I know a lot of people hated the finish, but, Forget the finish. Go back and look at the match itself. It the match was itself awesome. incredible. It was brutal. It was everything I wanted. So I knew oh, they couldn't top this, but with this match, but they still put on a damn good match, dude. I I paid fifty bucks for this show, and I got my money's worth. Like I said, four freaking hours. Didn't see that coming, but they're really plugging it in there, bud. Um, just want to throw out before I wrap it up here a couple highlights. My personal highlights from the match. Um, it started off with the inner circle being rappelling down from the top of like the scoreboard, of the Jaguar stadium. And they looked like this like SWAT team coming down. It was really, really cool. That, and the look on MJF's face when they, they, they show Jericho coming down on the rope and he just like points at MJF and MJF's like, uh. <laughs> that was, that was comedic gold. I, I really enjoyed that. And, um, my other big takeaway from this match, my favorite part was definitely when Jericho stapled MJF's forehead and then he proceeded to throw him face first through a plate glass window. So I personally love the pay-per-view. I didn't bother reading any reviews out there, what other people thought, because personally, I don't really give a shit. That's so, your opinion. It's what you watched. You paid for it. You liked it. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Double or nothing gets you double thumbs up from this guy. Now, did that four hours hold your attention? That's a long yeah. time. Yeah, no. I um, I was intrigued. Um, I thought they kept me reeled in throughout the show. And for someone like me that is all scatterbrained and can barely hold a single thought for more than 15 seconds, I thought they did a good job there. Um, was this their best pay-per-view? No. But it was worth the 50 bucks. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. So. All right, all right. Well done, my friend. Well done. I know you had a lot on your plate this week with a lot of shit to watch. So uh Yeah, you guys won't have to hear me jibba jabba as much next week because there's no fucking pay-per-views, I hope, right? I need a break. <laughs> Just the Bruins. Just the Bruins. Yes, yeah, that's enough. That's more than enough. Well, it's enough of the blood well, pressure. I guess that only leaves us with uh Raw. Oh yeah. There's still three hours of Raw. <laughs> But unlike you, I don't go into greater detail. I just kind of skim through it real quick because, well, Raw's three hours and it sucks. Mm -hmm. Okay, I didn't watch Raw, so this is all going to be news to me. So let so, it rip. We open Raw with the curtain jerker of Jizz TV. I mean, Miz TV. Oh, you slid that one in there, naughty boy. Yes, you know. Uh, his guest on Miz TV was the 15-time Charlotte Flair Women's Champion. 15 times. Woo! Which means she's lost it 14 times. Why do you that suck so bad Charlotte Flair? Why she takes like after her old man. Why can't title reigns last like RVD with the EC, RVD deal with the ECW uh, television title? A year and a half, if not longer. 
Right. Or how about to an even greater extent? I want to see someone have a Bruno San Martino title. Yeah. Run you think that's ever going to happen? <laughs> this no. generation's attention span cannot handle such a thing. So we had Charlotte Flair on Miz TV, and then it was interrupted by Aria Ripley. And then that was interrupted by whatever the fuck her first name is, Cross. I forget. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't I, if anyone's really upset about it, uh, message us here and we'll apologize. Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. so all three of them were squawking and talking, and uh, Flair and Cross decided they were gonna do a sanctioned match just like last week when Cross fought Raya Ripley in a two minute match, had to beat Raya Ripley in two minutes. She did it there, she beat Flair in two minutes because Flair didn't pin her, she just outlasted the two minutes, so therefore she won. Ooh. Ooh, okay. Curtain are done. Good. Bye. Done. Uh, next week. I saw... smelling salts already to wake up from this one. <laughs> uh, we saw Xavier Wood versus Randy Orton, which actually was a pretty good match. Randy Orton, uh, that was a good match. All right. Uh, held my attention fairly decently for Raw. Uh, I'm Orton... a fan of Xavier as well, so I expect good things from those two. Good to hear. Orton took the victory. With the finisher from uh, uh, what the fuck is his name? The blonde dude. Oh, uh, the Jay and Silent Bob ripoff. There, uh, no shoes. That's yeah, what we. Sure. I always call him. I'm lose. I lost his name. You guys but, know what we're talking about. That guy kicks his flip flops off. We were talking about him last week, but RK Bro. RK Bro. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's the bro civ guy. He's. He's like in love with Randy Orton now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Orton used his finisher to beat Xavier Woods. That was that. Uh, Reginald fought Shayna Baszler because last week Baszler said, We're going to fight this week, Reginald, because you're always interfering in my matches and blah, 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 blah. Reginald won. He hit her with uh, kind of like the old school schoolboy kind of pin, but you know, he won. Yeah. This was, I, I actually did Weird see one. something about this online. Sorry to cut you off real quick. No, but no, no, you're they, I was like, oh, they're, they, I saw this uh, announcement, if you will, whatever, uh, that they were doing an actual intergender match between Shauna Blazer and what's his name? Uh, Reginald. Reginald, yeah. And it's Matt Riddle. Thank you, Josh. Matt Riddle, thank you. Joshua Snare. Good looking out, buddy. Coming through. Uh, yeah. And then we saw F-Bar and Mace face the Lucha House Party. I didn't mm. see the match. I fell asleep. Um, um, I bet you didn't miss much. But T-Bar and Mace won that one somehow, some mm. way. Uh, Tokar and Razar from Ninja Turtles 2. <laughs> <laughs> Secret of the Ooze. Sheamus lost to Ricochet uh, in a non-title match. I'm sure, uh, she- be, I'm sure that'll be a title match come at Hell in the Cell. I was... Uh, just gonna ask. So I take it, Sheamus is still U.S. champion. Yes, Sheamus is okay. still your U.S. Wow. champion, which is a good thing. We Thank saw you. Lana and Naomi versus Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke. Mm. Meh match. Meh. Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke took the victory. That's really all I need to know about that. Twas a meh fest. Shelton Benjamin versus Cedric Alexander. I'm kind of getting tired of seeing this match every week on Raw. It's the same feud. They broke up, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Cedric Alexander took the W. Let's get some other storyline involved in this or have them 
fight to the death. Like, and then. yeah, there's another two guys like we were talking about before that are extremely talented and just getting wasted. I always loved Shelton Benjamin since years ago. I mean, who could forget his match on Raw against the Sexy Boy? I mean, we show that clip at the beginning of the fucking show. I'm, I know rules, but they're wasting him. Then we saw AJ and almost defend their titles against Elias and Jackson Riker. AJ and almost came away with the victory to retain their titles. Hooray, Edward James Omos. Woohoo! In the main event, number one contender match, Kofi Kingston versus Drew McIntyre. And a quick little backstory on this one that started in, in Raw. Uh, Drew McIntyre was saying that he is more focused than Kofi because Kofi does it for his family and worries about his kids and this and that. And Drew was like, I'm going to have myself a kid one day, but not now. I'm going to look Scottish laddie then. Yeah. And it was just a weird turn where he was like dogging on Kofi's family and him fighting for his family. Like he didn't have full. This dedication. was McIntyre. Like, what, what is the point of that? He's a face still, isn't he? Like, he's kind of a face, kind of a heel. Oh, he's an in betweener, eh? Yeah. He's riding both pine lines. He's riding both pines there. So who knows? The old switch hitter. But like this family thing came out of nowhere, kind of like the zombies and mania. Yeah. So I don't know. Oh, the zombies. Oh, God, the zombies. Drew took it. Drew's going to fight Bobby Lashley at Hell in the South of the Universal or the Raw Championship. What are the fuck belt it's called? Yeah, it's that. Know. It's the actual WWWFE.com <laughs> Peacock Championship, right? Isn't that the belt, man? Something like that. Uh-huh. And that was three hours of Raw and 45,000 commercials. Mm. Grueling tasks. See, folks, this is what we endure every week just for your listening and viewing pleasure. And as we start to wrap up the show tonight, for your listening and viewing pleasures, you get to see our faces, of course. We're going to dive in quickly to most violent matches I mean, that's what we're really here for, folks. We're not here to listen to us talk about re- recaps, but you did anyway. So we appreciate you hanging on for an hour and 17 minutes right now. Those that actually did stick around. Yes, you guys. We appreciate. I did not pick up any specific matches on this. I'm kind of going with the type of match that I think are the most violent. I know you're got a little bit of a different list than what I got. So, uh, you know, here we go. Most violent we'll matches. Keep it spicy. Yes, yes. I gotta say, spicy was (laughs) well, not that kind of spicy, you know, not smut spice, but intriguing spice. Yes, violent spice. We could start our own new version of the Spice Girls here. Violent spice. She sounds like she'd be up my alley. I'd be Barbara Spice. Oh, C4 explosive spice. Oh, you know it. Boiler room brawl spice. (laughs) Hell, a cell spice. No rope barbed wire fucking death fest spice. C4 spice. You already said that. I'm an idiot. I would totally buy tickets to this show. What a concert that would be. Um, but yeah, before I forget, and the old short term memory kicks in, the half simers, if you will, I do enjoy that you put up that pick of uh Moxley and Omega there because 
that uh, their feud there when Mox first came into the old AE dub last year, year before, whatever it was now. Um, I really loved their feud. Those were some of the most violent matches I had seen uh, in the States, at least in quite some time. And I, I loved it because they were like, hey, this is the best way we can show we're not WWE. We're going to go that complete polar opposite direction. Oh, yeah. So if you guys like that, check it out. But yeah, Moxley and Omega, their first match, then Mox won. Oh, dude, they, they had that, the net of barbed wire that they do the superplex into, and they cut the friggin' mat up and doing DDTs on the wood. And so quick shout out to those guys. As far as recent good old quality Smash your face, ultra violence yeah. goes. That was good. And as I mentioned before, Dr. Britt Baker against Thunder Rosa, another one of AEW's top weekend show. We'll still do hardcore every once in a while moments. So big props to Miss DMD. You'll do it every time because, like I said, because she's awesome. I love her. I actually want that t shirt really bad where she's smiling and has like the kiss logo of her name and she's got the blood just coming out of her nose. Mm. That's quality merchandise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have merchandise. All so, right. well, uh, what you got there, guy? I was gonna take it back a little bit to uh, the early days of, of of wrestling in the WCW world for the type of match. Uh, I was exposed to this one very young. It was Sting versus Vader in the old school leather strap match. Oh yeah. I know it's not the most violent of things that we see now, but it still probably hurts like a bitch. And it was probably, oh, yeah. it was probably one of the more, I'm going to say, it was probably the most violent match, minus War Games, back then. Yeah, the strap match was uh, was hardcore, man. Um, there's no doubt about I mean, they, these guys, they didn't hold anything back. No. I, I think the last great feud that I can recall that really showcased a good strap match would have been way back in the day uh before stone cold broke out and he was feuding with savio vega they yes, had a strap a match at, yeah. uh, in your house there yeah and that was uh definitely i love that feud actually i thought that was a great way to bring austin in him against savio was awesome but um yeah the strap match goes back a ways i mean you had the days of you know dusty Rhodes. Mm -hmm. not only using the strap but of course using the freaking cowbell and the rope and everything um Strap match is always a one of those that like, oh man, I always felt bad for guys in strap matches because, and I'm glad you brought up the Vader Stinger one because that is one of the all time greats as well. Um, oh, but absolutely, it's one of those like even, it's like Mick Foley said a long time ago, like the worst thing in, for a wrestler to do is like, you know, you're trying to go for a spot and it doesn't look good, but it hurts the other guy a lot. The way you want to go is it looks really good, but doesn't hurt your opponent very much. This whole idea you want to protect your opponent. And um, the strap match for me, it was like, even if it didn't look good, you know it. Oh, every shot they took on the back, whatever. You can just see the welts. You can see mm. the, the cuts that the leather is, yeah. is making in their skin. And that's just, that's got to sting, regardless of, of how hard they're hitting them or if they're trying to pull back a little bit. That snap, it's fucking painful. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, before we dive all the way to the deep end here, folks, I just want to mention real quick that this is one of those topics as well that, I mean, we could have sat here and 
talked about Japan alone for three years. Right. There's just so Japanese, much in Japan. It's... The people of Japan, a lot of them love their ridiculously violent wrestling. And some of it to me is just, uh, all right, this is borderline just like attempted murder stuff. Like it goes beyond wrestling. I, I've seen the clips of the um, piranha match where the dude actually gets put in a tank with real piranhas and then his opponent like puts a table over him so he can't get out. He's actually getting bit the fuck by piranhas. Um, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that's something I was going to bring up too. Like a lot of that stuff over in Japan, I don't consider that violent wrestling. That's just, to your point, that's just fucking violent brutality. It's like, it's basically assault. Some of the things yeah. that men and women do. Because Japanese uh-huh. women wrestlers, man, <laughs> I tell you, here's to you because there are a lot of crazy women over on the other side of the globe. Um, I mean, I've seen matches where they light each other on fire and you got a girl that has their her hair long and you see a big fireball and her hair actually blows up like freaking Ghost Rider. So we're not going to spend too much time into that. I actually am going to mention a couple of things from Japan that I'm sure you are, which is is relevant. Yeah, I mean, as it should be. But, you know, some of like the FMW stuff, when they were getting to the point where it's like, all right, I'm putting a power drill into your fucking skull. Yeah, I'm good. That's a bit much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Shout out to Japan. Love you guys. But Piper versus Adonis. Yes, thank you. That's another fine example, Mr. Guy Manly, of how good the strap match could be. Doink versus... (laughs) Yes, way to go, Pops Ghostly. Thank you, Pops, for that one. Oh, yes, we needed a Doink moment in our lives, did we not, ladies and gentlemen, and Dick, for that matter. Of course, my favorite all-time Doink and Dick moment was when, uh, during their match, when Lawler snuck down to the ring and stole Dick's tricycle and smashed it. (laughs) And then poor Dick came out and saw it and was like, why? (laughs) I think Doink actually had to carry him backstage because he was so distraught over his poor little trike. But, um... What, What do you got on your list there? All right, show a really big shoe. I had something in relation to your last one there, um, the strap match, because to me, the only thing more extreme and hardcore than the very painful strap match would be the dog collar match. Who could forget? Arguably, one of the, if not, you know, well, one of the, definitely in the top echelon of most violent matches of all time, Rowdy Roddy Piper versus Greg the Hammer Valentine in the dog collar match for the NWA United States Championship. That is, for those of you, the younger generation out there who has not had the pleasure of experiencing this match do yourself a favor. Go look it up. These guys legit beat the shit out of each other oh, yeah. with a real deal, solid, thick as hell chain that they just kept whipping each other with so bad. I I know I actually mentioned uh, this match uh, one of our previous shows, and uh, yeah, Roddy Piper actually had permanent life-lasting 
uh, hearing damage from this match because at one point Hammer just took the chain and whacked him right in the side of the ear as hard as he could because Piper and Hammer didn't fuck around, man. And that is, hands down, one of the most violent matches you'll ever see, especially for that time era. Um, obviously, you know, guys getting given some juice back in the day was much more talk, ex, uh, accepted in the public eye versus now Vince's fucking PG bullshit. But right, um, this was also one of those that, like, the fans, you go back and watch this match, you see the fans in the crowd are like, wow, we've seen a lot of shit. But, yeah, these guys are for real just kind of try and kill each other. Mm-hmm. Oh, 100%. One of the all-time greatest ones. No doubt about it. I could be mistaking, but didn't a Junkyard Dog also participate in a dog collar match? Oh, yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he had several because that was part of his gimmick. He had the, yeah. you know, I the dog fought, collar I chain. Could have sworn he fought Big John Stud. And uh, oh yeah, in yeah, oh yeah, no. Uh, actually, if I'm not mistaken, I believe you are correct on that one. Um, but and not to say that, like this was the only dog collar match of all time. No, There's no, been a no, lot no, of them. No. Um, ECW brought the dog collar match uh, gimmick back. I remember it was Raven versus uh, one of the Pitbulls. I remember in a yes. dog collar match. Um, so no matter what, it's one of those much like the strap match. If you're in it and you're going to do it right, you already know it's going to fucking hurt really bad. So mm. kudos to the dog collar. Take your painkillers pain beforehand. That way you don't feel it. During and after. because. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you want to talk about pain. Let's uh, switch gears here a little bit and talk about some barbed wire rope. Oh, I'm glad you done brought it up. We're keeping it right down the middle, daddy. Because oh, you know, it's, you know it's this sadly. is on my list. Mm-hmm. Sabu. That's where he ripped his bicep open, if I'm not mistaken. Sabu versus the ECW World Heavyweight Champion. My, I wish I was his adopted grandson, Terry Funk, at the Born to Be Wired show at the mm-hmm. infamous Bingo Hall, ECW Arena, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, folks. This was the one that even Heyman was like, we're not going to be able to show this even on pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. And boy, was he right. Um, I remember when this match Brutal. came out, they would talk about it on ECW TV and they would talk about it. You know, this is back when you could get the ECW magazine and before they'd gone to TNN and all that crap. Um, but they obviously did a great job promoting this match. And the what just got me hook, line, and sinker, along with who knows how many other fucking. High school dumbasses at the time, they couldn't show the match on TV. They couldn't show it on pay-per-view. So what did that make me do? I went right to rfvideo.com and bought that motherfucking tape. Yes, oh, Pops Ghostly, I know you still can't do it, Kenya. I was the one that introduced you to that match. I'll never forget. And you uh, had some some cringe face there. And Mm -hmm. deservingly so because it's just... Fucked. It's fucking brutal. That it's so brutal. Oh, God. Where do you begin? Okay, so the biggest spot of the match was obviously when Sabu went to hit Air Sabu, had Funk in the corner, and Funk moves at the last second. Sabu mm-hmm. didn't pull back at all. Goes full force. <laughs> well, of course, because it's Sabu. Sabu. Goes full force. 
Air Sabu into the corner of nothing but barbed wire. And this wasn't just your average, like, barbed wire you see around, like, an impound lot or something. This was, like, mm, razor freaking just gnarly, horrible, horrible things wrapped in the place of ropes. And when Sabu hit, I've seen this interview with him. He talks all about it, and they go back and show the clip in slow motion. I mean, his bicep just goes, like, oh, yeah. <sighs> And he freaks out. If you go back and watch the match, you see his eyes are legit bugging out of his head. He's screaming at Bill Alfonso, give me some tape, give me some tape. Fonzie goes, I don't have any tape. And Sabu's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, go in the back and get some fucking tape. <laughs> because he knew it was so bad. The wounds, he said, it didn't even fucking, like, bleed. It just was a big hunk of meat hanging out. Yeah, it slid it. It was like a razor knife through it and... Oh. That's when you know it's bad. And even Sabu is fucking nuts and as insane as that guy was and still is. He when you knew. see Sabu panicking, you know. Yeah. This is really it. bad. And just because this is still, you know, this is definitely another one that is definitely, without a doubt, in the top uh, hand of my favorite, most violent, ridiculously insane wrestling matches of all time. The fact that Sabu and Funk continued the match, if you go back and look, Sabu finally gets the tape from Fonzie. He is trying to tape up his arm as Terry Funk just spins him around upside down backwards and drops him with a neck breaker through two chairs as Sabu's still taping his freaking arm. <laughs> it is just so insane. And then just to add to it, Fonzie trying to buy Sabu some time he got in the ring with Funk, and Funk just cuts off a shard of barbed wire and just takes it like it's a knife and just jams it into Fonzie's back so bad. Just and you see that shit makes my, my hair on my legs oh, is like so, so bad. I kind of need a cigarette just talking about it. That's how much I love this match. Um, and then it still wasn't even over. The worst of it was, if you go back and look, to wrap this one up, Terry Funk actually is his shoulders are not pinned to the mat when the ref Pee-wee made the three count because the barbed wire had, was entangled so bad around Terry Funk's neck. This is why I love Terry Funk. It they knew it was about to like it was uh, hair away from puncturing his jugular vein for real. He was gonna bleed out and die right there. Terry Funk being Terry Funk didn't care, and he still kicked out when they told him to go home. As the barbed wire just got tighter on his fucking neck. And they said it took like an hour or something just to detangle Terry Funk and Sabu after Sabu, of course, did win the match. And you'll never see that in America again, folks. Guarantee to you. Not to that extent. Uh -uh. I just looked it up. There are There is a 12-minute breakdown of that match on YouTube. I was... Gonna put it in, but I'm like, yeah, probably not. So if you guys, yeah, yeah, we, we've ran over. But for anyone who wants to check it out, yeah, watch Sabu and Terry Funk talk about that match. It's oh, so good. Oh, and if you throw up, well, can't say I told you so. <laughs> 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 Sorry, Pops Ghostly, I was responsible for that. <laughs> yes. All right, what else you got? Because that was mine, the barbed wire match. Okay, so I'm gonna make this part real quick because this. We could obviously spend an entire Ow. show on this one single gentleman alone. The one, the only. He had three faces, folks. You know him, you love him. Mr. McFoley. 
you know, take your pick in his career, especially as Cactus Jack, you know, what he did. I don't have time for all of it. I'm just going to throw out some of the greatest that obviously have to be mentioned. The Rock versus Mankind, 1999 Royal Rumble, the I Quit match. Yep. Oh, still hard to watch to this day. Foley's all kids and his wife in the crowd crying and yeah. Oh, Another reason I always oh, hated The Rock and his breast reduction heaven ways. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, kids. He did. Um, of course, got to also show, uh, give a shout out to Cactus Jack versus Triple H, Madison Square Garden in Royal the Rumble, street right? fight at the Royal Rumble. Getting pedigreed on the thumbtacks, dude. Just yeah. oh, the barbed wire two by four Triple H. More blood than skin on his freaking face. So not to mention Triple H got when he got backdropped on the pallet in the aisle way, he got the shard of pallet through his leg and his boot filled with blood when he took his yeah, boot off in the match. Oh like yeah. Match between both between both of them was incredible. Yeah, between the two of them. Oh. They they both proved, uh, pulled it off. Uh, it wasn't like it was just fully Triple H killed himself on that one too. Um all right. I guess most people, you're going to obviously assume I'm going to save this one probably for last because who could forget it? But Mankind, Undertaker, Alan Wilson, King of the Ring. It just speaks for itself. Do we even have to get into it? No. No. You, if you don't know. know it, then why are you watching this show? Yeah. If you don't, if you've never seen this match and you're watching this show, then I'm sorry, but you are fired. You do a really good Vince. <laughs> At my moments. Thanks, Ken. Yeah. So, LNSL, you already know the story. Yeah. It's it's on a whole nother level. Yeah. That's all we he's, got. He's had multiple Hell in the Cells. His feud mm -hmm. with Bunker. Yeah. Nothing will ever compare to that night. There's nothing. No, 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 no. Even like no. we were there for No Way Out, that doesn't even compare to The Undertaker Mankind. No, and don't take anything away from that match. It was awesome, especially for us to be there live. Um, but, you know, it's a good thing that there will never be another 1998 King of the Ring Hell in a Cell match because I don't. Holy should have died that night. Yeah, as it he is. very Holy easily could on multiple occasions, really could have actually died. His own wife was watching it live and really thought when he took the choke slam through the top of the cell, she. Says flat out, I thought my husband was dead. I just watched my husband die. Undertaker was up there looking down going, holy shit, I just killed this man. I just kidding look Foley, and I got to tell his wife and kids that now. Yeah, that's how real it was. Um, and if he had thrown Foley one centimeter in a different direction off of the top of the cage with the tables, Foley could have easily shattered hips, broken his neck, died right there on that first bump. Let, yeah. let alone the rest of the bumps throughout the match. It's something that, you know, it's probably the the most one of easily one of the most famous moments in professional wrestling history. I mean, even a lot of people who don't give a shit about wrestling have seen that. I can't tell you how many, who knows how many boyfriends over the years since 1998 have just hooked up with a girl and they're like, "Oh, you don't watch wrestling? You should watch this match with me." I did that. Yeah. No, guy, we were not at King of the Ring '98. We were at No Way Out, I believe, 2001. 2001. It was the it was the follow up to the Royal Rumble match between Cactus and Triple H, the Street Fight. Yeah. Um, let's, let's not forget though, with Foley, uh, the Boiler Room Raw with Taker too. I'm glad you brought that up because I still have one more 
Speaking of Mr. Foley himself, that is one of my all-time favorites. But yes, the Boiler Room Brawl that was, was also up there as well. I mean, nothing could top uh, Hell in a Cell, obviously. No, and no, no. But it never should because I really don't want to see anyone else die in the ring. We don't need no. that. I love wrestling, but you don't have to kill yourself for me, all right? No. <laughs> but um, the last one I got, speaking of Cactus, one of my all-time favorites. We mentioned Japan. We can't talk about the most violent matches of all time without the finals of the King of the Death Match yes. Tournament, which pitted Terry Funk versus Cactus. And oh, what boy. What that was. Yeah, absolutely. Just you go back and look at that picture of Cactus as he's climbing up the giant ladder and he is about to drop the elbow on uh, Funker towards the end of the match, and you can't even make out his face. It's literally that much blood. Oh, absolutely! It's... That much blood. Ugh. The whole tournament too was awesome, but that—that that was my, in my opinion, that's what I wanted in those cringe-worthy like ooh moments. Mm. Um, and then just to throw out a couple quick other ones, I don't know. Uh, do you have anything else on yours? Because not really. Not only for Foley, but I mean, you know, in in lieu of wrapping this up, so we can. Uh, oh yeah, I'm done with Foley, and that's what I meant. Yeah, we got to get out. Like I said, we could do three hours on Foley, no problem. So love you, I Foley. Mean, <laughs> I mean, like I said, in, in lieu of trying to do this, I'm gonna go go back to the original uh, War Games of WCW when that one first came out. That with mm -hmm. the cage wasn't. It's a hell in a cell, if you will, but the cage is what ten feet high, the top of it, so you couldn't really jump off the top rope. You could literally pick guys up, pick their head off the top, throw them between two rings. Dude, remember when Sid tried to powerbomb Brian Pillman and yep. he couldn't get him up because the cell was right there and he legit knocked him out because he just dropped him right on the back of his neck and his head? Like, Ugh. And then you fast forward to a few a month ago and Blood and Guts and, oh, so good. Yeah, and as well, got to hand it to uh, NXT. They've had some awesome War Games matches as well. Um, that has always been such a cool um, gimmick. Dusty Rhodes himself. Mm -hmm. Dusty Sapphire. Yeah, Dusty came up with that one, and we can't thank you enough, Dusty, because it's still going strong to this day. But that's, one... That's pretty, that's pretty much what I got on my, on my right. notepad here. Uh, you know, like like we said, there's so much, there's so many more things we can talk about. Ladder yeah. matches, table match, you know, t like TLC, mm -hmm. Armageddon, all that. But WrestleMania 17, the you know TLC match, Edge Christian, Dudley's, and um, forget that is worth an honorable mention that yep. we had never seen anything like that at the time. Um, I also just wanted to give a couple little shout outs as well to one of my most favorite our favorite moments in professional wrestling history, the night that the Dudley boys faced off against balls and Axel and the flaming table was introduced to ECW. Mm, Bubba dropping balls on top of the table engulfed in flames. And it, to make matters even worse, they put the thumbtacks all over it. So like the thumbtacks, I met balls Mahoney uh, up in fall river. Couldn't have been cooler. Rest in power balls. You were awesome. But he told me, like, the worst part about taking that bump for him was the fact that, you know, they were selling it. So, like, Devon squirts the friggin' lighter fluid all over the thumbtacks. They light it up. They let that fucker fly because it looks amazing. 
And in that time, the thumbtacks had heated up so quickly oh. that when Bubba drops him, he was like, dude, I was used to thumbtacks going through my skin. That was nothing. But feeling them searing through your flesh was a whole different experience. So Ooh, big wow. shout out to good old balls on that one. Also got to mention, well, any new, any match New Jack was in. Though. Yeah, yeah. Let's call it. <laughs> Um, one of the most disturbing things you'll probably ever see as a wrestling fan from the old, old, old ECW days, Ian and Axel, the brothers themselves, the Rottens, in the Taipei Deathmatch. That's like just, that's on that verge of Japan. Like, we're not actually doing wrestling holds. We're just gluing broken glass and thumbtacks to our fists and barbed wire baseball bats and broken bottles and the whole nine and the whole. You know it. But I'm wrapping it up with this, man. We couldn't talk about yeah. the most violent matches without this one. It really wasn't even the match itself. It was the stipulation involved in the match, which was one of the most disturbing moments in professional wrestling history. Undisputed. I don't care what anyone says. When Tommy Dreamer, the night in the ECW arena. That's right. My boy, Tommy. Love him. Took not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but ten ridiculously insane, murderous Singapore cane shots to the back, courtesy yes, of the Sandman and woman whose birthday actually just came up recently. And unfortunately, she ain't here to celebrate it. We all know about that. Loved woman. She was awesome. So that was brutal. Like that, that those yeah. cane shots. Oh. That was uh, one of the first things I, that was basically, if I'm not mistaken, that's how I got introduced to ECW. I saw that clip and that was like, they don't, <laughs> they don't do that on superstars. Mm -mm. <laughs> like, um, and it was a genius idea um, at that time. This was what, 94, 95, I want to say. Yeah. Um, there was that whole big actual controversy about the kid that had gone overseas and spray painted some graffiti and he got caught and was actually fucking caned on the ass. So Paul E being the genius mad scientist that he was, he saw this, read this news report and said, Hmm, we can turn that <coughs> into an angle. And so that was the stipulation. Tommy loses. He had to take the 10 cane shots. And I, to make it even better, him having to be on his knees and there's woman shoving the mic in his face like, come on, Tommy, just say it. Kiss my feet and say you're done. And Dreamer gets up and he's like, thank you, sir. May I have another? And, dude, like those last couple shots when Sandman just smokes him, you can see the blood. You see his oh, skin yeah, split. And the blood just poured down his back. And that was when... For anyone out there at the time that was like not a fan of Dreamer, they hated him when he first came in because he was the pretty boy baby face. The ECW faithful couldn't stand him. But after that match, everyone was like, all right, yeah, Dreamer's fucking awesome. He can, he can take some bumps. He's on the roster and then some. Yep. <laughs> so here's to you, Tommy boy. Keep eating those Oreos. Woohoo. On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up for the evening. Woo! Yep, 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 yep. Big show. Lots of. Lots of content spewed in your faces. Yeah, we ran a little later than usual tonight, but we had a lot to pack in there. Luckily, there's yeah, no we did. this week. So, um, yeah, 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 me. But once again, huge, huge thanks. Big time 
Konnichiwa to the Dorkening Podcast and the fine folks at Deadly Grounds Cafe. You guys rock. Absolutely. Now we have a few uh, storylines to work with for next week as far as worst gimmick, best in, best intro, shitty feuds, and bizarre storylines. We got some... We're going to ponder those. Let us know what you want us to talk about next week. And uh, we will be back. Same bat channel, same bat time. After that, we will see you guys next week. That's right. We got something to work with. In the meantime, pasta la pasta. Woo!